Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. All right. Man, I love coming back. I say this every time. I love this church. I love your pastor, the staff. It's always a blessing to be here. So many good things here. So many things I love about this church. But as we were there singing, it was crystal clear in my mind what I love the most. I feel the Holy Spirit here. Man, when Jennifer and I came, I don't know, eight or nine, whenever years ago, and we sat back in the room with the band, and, and everybody was eating eggs and sausage gravy and biscuits, and I sat there and said, I feel the Holy Spirit here. You could. Back there before the service ever started, man, ain't nothing better than that. So praise God for that. Well, I want to share with you a quick update on where we are as a Disciples Village. I'm going to, you're going to have to follow me a little this morning. And then I'm going to tell you some lessons that I'm learning through it, or the lesson that I'm learning through it, and then, and, and, and then how maybe that lesson can apply to the series that, that we're in with, with Love Your Neighbor. Here's the update. Man, things, I was, I was in Haiti six days after the 2010 earthquake where 300,000 people died, and it's worse off now. It's worse off now because the, the destruction's coming from within. 2010, 300,000 people died because of a natural disaster that came in. Now the, the natural disaster is from the country, and it is absolutely heartbreaking. We were out in Calico because it was safer, kind of out in the country. Well, now the gangs that we escaped from out of the country, the gangs have come in there. Used to be there were an old broken down shotguns, an old broken pistol and the machete. Well, since they assassinated the president two years ago, they are armed. They, they shipped in all kinds of weapons. They are armed and they're heavily armed. In our community, shooting, killing people. And, and about two weeks ago, our, all of our people had to flee our campus just to get out safely. Two days later, the gangs came back through again, busted the doors down to our compound. Anything of value is gone. Solar, batteries, furniture, mattresses, appliances, beds, there is nothing of value that is left. Now, all those things are just possessions. We can replace in time all those things. The heartbreak is our children lost their home. That's the only home they knew, and they had already been through trauma. And now they are all packed in in AKA, all 36 children and staff are living in a 1,500 square foot home. And we're looking for housing. We, you know, we got leads and we're moving in that direction. 
But seeing them all packed in there, you know, through video, and then, and then Jerry is texting me pictures today of them all outside and all these chairs lined up worshiping God and praising God with nothing, with absolutely nothing. It broke my heart. Man, I have been carrying a burden for that. I couldn't sleep well at night, wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back. Old intestinal problems flaring back up just from stress. I mean, I was depressed. It just broke me and pulled me down. And one night late in bed, I was just crying out to God, God, why aren't aren't you changing this? I know that you can change this. I know you can turn this around. And Lord, if you're not going to do it, please let me do it. Please promote me. Please put me into a position. Because Lord, I want to change this. And there's nothing I can do. And you can change this. And you're not. And man, it was just tearing me up inside until, thank God, he freed me of that and taught me this lesson. There are times in life where there is nothing you can do except what God's already called you to do. Because there are battles that only God can fight. And they are victories that only God can win. And you got to decide in those times what you're going to do. I had to decide what I was going to do. I can run around and I can do all these activities and I can try to get my shoulder up under that load that God says, there's no need in you fighting that battle because you can't fight it. There's no need in you trying to get that victory because that victory is not yours. And man, when I could, when that came off my shoulders, I was like, God, I cannot save Haiti. I cannot save Disciples Village. And as much as I don't even like to speak these words, I can't save our children there. I can't protect them as much as I want to. And it freed me. And then I was preparing. I didn't do anything there. I just went blank, didn't I? Am I back? Okay. I was preparing for this message and going in a totally different direction. Bobby always asked me to do this, and I'm so grateful. And I was going in a totally different direction, and I just kind of felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, in loving your neighbor, that lesson applies. It applies in loving your neighbor. We are to do the things that we can do. We're to love our neighbor in the ways that we can love them. We're to go out. We're to pray for them. We're to witness to them. We're to serve them. We're to provide food into schools and do all these great things. And if you go out and you love your neighbor, 
There's going to be people that are going to be sick in your neighborhood and you're going to minister to them. Maybe there's a death and you're going to minister to them and they're going to think back. They're the ones that cared for me and they're going to end up coming to church and they're going to give their life to Jesus and they're going to be baptized. That will happen. You'll be at the ballpark and you, you, you'll, you'll be witnessing to someone and telling people to come to this event and they're going to show up and it's going to change their life. You'll coach a little leagues team or get into big brothers, big sisters and, and you'll love on a child and their life will be changed. If you're faithful to witnessing the love of God, God will bless that and God will use that. And many people can come to know him. You'll be at, you'll be at Starbucks or you'll be out sitting on a bench in a park and God will plant somebody in front of you that you get to tell about Jesus. And you're supposed to do all those things. You're supposed to pray. But I want you to know sooner or later, God's going to put somebody in your life. Maybe it's your son, your daughter. Maybe it's going to be your wife or your husband. Maybe it's going to be somebody in your neighborhood, a co-worker, somebody you love. And you're going to be witnessing and you're going to be praying and you're going to be doing everything, everything that you can do, but you are not going to see their heart changed. At least not in the timing that you want to see it. And it is going to break your heart. You're going to feel the weight, God. I know you can change them. God, I want to change them, and I'm doing everything I can, but I can't do anything. Lord, you can do anything, but you're not. God, why aren't you moving? Why aren't you changing? Why aren't you convicting? Why aren't you bringing this person back to you? And it will burden you. And the lesson, I called it the lesson you need to remember, there are times when there is nothing you can do except what God tells you to do. And you're responsible for those things. You should do those things. There's nothing you can do except what you are called already to do because there are battles that only God can fight. And there are victories that only God can win. And I am telling you, when you can get to that truth, you can realize that and you can get freedom in that. So I don't want you to take my word for it. Let's go to God's word. And, and I want to lay out God's word for you. I want to tell you the salvation plan through three trees. Through three trees. Did you know that God was the first gardener? And God planted three very significant trees. And he planted many, but he planted three very significant trees. So let's look in Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 8. You, you know all of this, but let's look at it again. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there was the tree of life. That's the first tree. 
Let's just stop right there in the scripture. That's the first tree, the tree of life. The tree of life was made to grow by God. It was pleasing for food and it looked beautiful. It was in the middle of the garden and the key was whoever would eat it would what? Live forever. Live forever. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden. You know which tree that included? The tree of life. God put it right there. All man had to do was reach out and take it. God gave it to him for that purpose. Now, do you understand what that's saying? We were originally created to live forever with God. To live forever with God. All man had to do was take it and, 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 and eat it. That's how God made it. Man and woman was unpolluted by sin. The earth was unpolluted by sin. There was no society there that was polluted yet by sins. You know, we, we talk about the pain of today. Why is there destruction? Why are there thieves? Why are there robbers? Why do babies die? Why do tragedies happen? They didn't happen how God created it. It was in paradise with God forever. Nowadays, we talk about salvation. You didn't need salvation in the beginning. Man walked with God every day in the cool of the evening. But there was another tree. The second tree was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Let's read about that. Genesis 2, 9, where it says a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God gave special instructions on this tree. Genesis 2, 16. And the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any of the tree in the garden. Verse 17. But... You must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And of all the trees God created, which one do you think grabbed Adam's and Eve's attention the most? Man, I, 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 th I think that maybe one day they were just walking, going about their business, and one of them looked up and said, well, look, look, way over there. Is that the tree God told us to stay away from? And maybe Adam said, I don't, I don't know. I don't think about it much. Um, it might be. I don't know. It might be it. But the next day, strangely enough, they were a little bit closer. And then they got a little closer and a little closer until one day they found themselves right there at that tree. How did we get that? That's the tree, isn't it? I think it is. But you know, this time they weren't alone. Somebody else was with them. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say to you, no, did God really say to you, you must not eat from any of the trees? You see what he did there? He slid in that thought, can God really be trusted? 
And, and Eve said, no, he, he didn't say we couldn't eat from any of the trees, but he said we couldn't eat from, from this tree. And, and, and he said we'd die. And Satan said, you're not going to die. It's the tree of knowledge. If you eat of this tree, you'll be just like God. You'll know things just like he does. And so Adam and Eve stood there just pondering, just staring at the tree. Wondering if God had told them the truth. You are witnessing to people. And they're standing right there. Gosh. And they're in some process of dealing with that tree. And Eve said, mm, man, that's beautiful. It looks delicious. I don't think there's another tree like that in the whole garden. And she reached out to take it. Maybe Adam said, no, no, don't do that. And she said, I'm not going to eat it all. I'm just going to take a, a, just a little, just a little. Now, before we go there, have you ever thought, why did God even put that tree there? Wouldn't it have made more sense for God just not to put the tree there, just to leave Adam and Eve in the garden in harmony with him and never have to deal with that temptation? Why did he put it there? Until we realize it is there because a loving relationship, a true loving relationship requires freedom. It requires a choice. A loving relationship requires a choice. Men, if you don't believe that, go home today, take your wife to the kitchen, wrap a chain around her, and chain her to the, chain her to the kitchen sink. Down one drain, out the other, chain her up, put her phone just out of reach, and then tell her, honey, I'm going to play golf. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you that even though you could have married many, many men, you chose me. And I'm so grateful that you chose me. Go and play golf. Come back. Say, honey, I'm home. I'm home. Thank you for being here for me. Is your wife going to be there? Not only will your wife not be there, your kitchen sink won't be there. You'll probably find pieces of it in the garage and a cut-up chain and a hacksaw laying there, and you'll never see her again. Love requires a choice. And God gave Adam and Eve a choice. And God gives us a choice. And what did they do with their choice? Genesis 3, 6 when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. And she also gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And we know what happens next immediately. Their eyes were open and they now gain this forbidden knowledge, this knowledge that God never wanted them to have. Verse 7 says, the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to man, where are you? 
he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Now that they had that forbidden knowledge, which they so desired and God so did not want them to have, now they knew fear and nakedness and guilt and shame and humiliation and doubt. They knew what it feels like to be separated from God. Because of that decision, death entered the world. Eternal life on earth was lost forever. The Lord God said to man, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take from the tree of life and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken by the sweat of his brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground where you came from. Since from it you were taken, from dust you are, and to dust you will return. Eternal life on earth was gone. Pain and sorrow and evil entered their lives. Adam now works the ground as labors and his back-breaking work and pest and drought. And Eve has, has pain and, and agony and childbirth. They brought sin into their lives and not only to their lives, they brought sin, exposed Satan to their children. They had two boys and Satan attacked them in such a way that one of them was so jealous and envious of his brother, he pulled him out in the field and killed him. We are talking that in one generation when Adam and Eve uh, 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 disobeyed God and brought welcomed sin into their life, they went from the apple to murder. In one generation, walking with God in paradise to the blood of one of their, their sons in the field. Because they looked and said, God, I want that. I know you said I shouldn't have it, but God, I want that. That's who you're, that's who you're trying to minister to. That's who you're, who you're trying to express the love of God to. They're involved and they're dealing with that. And we say, dang it, Adam and Eve, you messed it up for all of us. Good grief, look what you brought into the world. All of us are suffering now because of your terrible decision. And it's true. They did bring it into the world. We are suffering because of that. But let's be honest. We've all been in the middle of that garden. We've all looked up at that fruit which represents everything we either feel we don't have or we don't have enough of. It's wealth, it's attention, it's sex, it's romance, it's intimacy. It's, it's promotions, it's rest, it's peace, it's, it's, it's appreciation, whatever it is, we've all reached and taken that forbidden fruit. We've eaten the whole thing. Man, we went and bought bushel baskets and brought them back. We've had picnics under that tree. We've pitched up our tents, 
put out a grill and stayed there all weekend. Some of us have spent significant times of our life. Man, we built a tree house in that thing. Hung a tire swing on one limb and a slide on the other. Put a pretty picket fence around it. Hung a sign on the door that says, Home Sweet Home. And we were lost in our sins. And there was nothing we could do to get out of it. Romans 3.10, there is no one righteous, no, not one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who sees God. All have turned away. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We were eternally separated from God. We were eternally separated from God. There was no way for us to get back to a holy God. Adam and Eve had failed. I say, Lord, just give me a chance in Haiti. Just give me a chance in Haiti. I have failed. You have failed. We are lost in our sins. And there is nothing we can do to change it. But thank God there are battles that only God can fight. They are victories that only God can win. And so God planted another tree, the tree of salvation. This tree wasn't planted in the Garden of Eden. It was planted on a hill called Calvary. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on that tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And, 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 and you, for by his wounds, you have been healed. That tree was a cross. And we beat him and we mocked him and we persecuted him and we spat on him. And because of our sins, he allowed us, he allowed us to put him on that cross. That, that cross was a tree of our salvation. And he paid the price for our sin and he made us righteousness before God the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And he gave us the gift of eternal life and salvation. Ephesians 2.8 For it is by grace you've been saved through faith and it is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He is do he will do for your neighbors what they cannot do for ourselves. Remember there are things, there are times in your life when you can do nothing except the things that God called you to do and he has called you to love. He's called you to witness. He's called you to pray. He's called you to empathize. He's called you to serve. But once you do those things, you gotta understand that is all you can do because there are battles you cannot fight for them. 
And there's victories you cannot win for them. And when you try to do that, when you put their burden on your shoulders and you try to do what God says, listen, there's no way you can do that. When you try to do that, you, you either start pressuring them, you either start nagging them, you either get on their shoulder. They're like, let me live my life. You're trying to do what the Holy Spirit does. Or maybe you go the other way. Maybe you start making concessions. Maybe you start saying, well, that's a good point. But, but maybe that tree's not that bad. Maybe that fruit is that good. And, and then you take away what God is doing in their life. You pollute the process of salvation and redemption in their life. When you step in and say, I'm going to save you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I will be your savior. We pollute the whole process of what God is doing. And we burden ourselves down to where we're worthless. And we forget who we are and who God is. You do the things that God called you to do. And you trust a loving father who loves them more than you, who died for their salvation. You trust him to do what only he can do in their lives. You remember the two thieves on the cross with Jesus. You remember that both of them were cursing him? They were both giving him. Man, they were just cursed him and then somewhere in that process one of them as he was watching Jesus his heart changed and he said I mean you talk about there is nothing you can do <laughs> he, he realized there is nothing I can do but he turned to Jesus and he said, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And what Jesus say? Today, today you'll be with me in paradise. I love how Pastor Alistair Begg tells this story. He says, imagine that in heaven. Imagine Peter and John and the disciples, they're in heaven and they look up and walking down the streets of gold is that thief. Right through the pearly gates. And he walks up and they say, you're the thief on the cross. And he says, you are cursing Jesus. And he says, I know. They said, what are you doing here? And he says, I don't, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? How did you get here? Would you say you don't know? He says, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't know. And they say, well, you, you got to know. Bring a supervisor. And they called in the supervisor. Maybe Gabriel comes and Gabriel said, he's, he's the one. 
it. And he says, uh, listen, you do understand the doctrine of salvation by grace. And he goes, I've never heard of it. He says, you do know about John 3.16. And he says, who's John? He said, well, surely you at least went through the new members class in your church. And he says, I, I never went to church a day in my life. And Gabriel says, listen, then by what grounds are you here? Tell me how you got here. And he says, listen, all I can tell you is this. There was three of us on that cross. And the man in the middle, he said, I could come. God can do things you can't do. You're responsible to do what you can do. But there are battles you can't fight. There are victories only God can win. We are called, just love them. Just love them. Love them in truth. And tell them. And you tell them. You're at the restaurant, wherever you are, you tell them. Hey, this is what I just want to tell you. The man on the middle cross, he said you could come. He's already paid the price. You can come. God. Thank you for that freedom, Jesus. Thank you for reminding us who you are and who we are. Thank you for doing what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextstepsjourneycommunity.net. At